The reading of the Holy Word of God tonight is in Psalm 91. Psalm 91, our text is the first part of verse 4. We'll read the psalm in its entirety. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Our text is the first part of verse 4. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. Verse 1 of Psalm 91 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Children, do you have a secret place? A place that you go to when you're scared or when you want to be alone? When I was a boy, like most boys, I liked to make forts, and my fort was always my secret place, the place that I went to to hide or to be alone. The psalmist here understands the desire for a secret place and the need for such a secret place, except that the secret place that the psalmist is thinking of is the true secret place. And all the other secret places are only faint whispers of this place. 
And the need of the psalmist for that secret place is the true need, and all other needs are only faint reverberations of this true need. The secret place the psalmist is thinking of is the place of God's overshadowing protection. And the need for that secret place is the psalmist's knowledge of his own weakness and his own utter dependence upon that overshadowing protection. And going to this secret place is by spirit and word, faith's conscious awareness of that overshadowing protection under the providence of a sovereign God who is my Father. The entirety of Psalm 91 is about this. Psalter number 248 that we're going to sing after the sermon is over has at the head of that Psalter number overshadowing protection. That's a perfect description of this psalm. That's the theme of the entire psalm, overshadowing protection. And yet that protection of the psalm is nowhere captured so marvelously and beautifully as in verse 4, our text, where the psalmist pictures that secret place of God's overshadowing protection as being covered by Jehovah's feathers, being under his wings. The psalm has three parts to it. The first part is verses 1 and 2, where the psalmist is making a personal confession of his own trust in this overshadowing protection of God. Notice the first person singular pronouns. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my God, in him will I trust. And then in verses 3 through 13, the psalmist looks outward and speaks to the church and says, and now that knowledge that I have of this protection, you may have two people of God, and I want to urge you to trust in the protection of this God. Notice the switch to second person pronouns in verse 3. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. He's looking out at the church and he's instructing the church. He shall cover thee with his feathers. And that extends all the way to verse 13. And then finally, in the last few verses of the psalm, verses 14 through 16, as it were, God himself speaks directly. Of course, God is speaking through the whole psalm, but directly at the end. And as it were, is confirming what the psalmist teaches us in the second part of the psalm. And God says this, Because he hath set his love upon me, me is God, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. So our text for tonight is in the second section of the psalm, where the psalmist is instructing the church, trust in this God and his overshadowing protection as I do. He shall deliver thee. He shall care for you. Promises that are then confirmed by God's own voice itself at the end of the psalm. If this is Moses, who is the human author of this psalm, and likely it is, then think of how the inspired 
writer writes this out of his own experience, his own confession of God's overshadowing protection of him being spared on that little homemade boat on the Nile River as a baby, being preserved spiritually in faith, though he grows up in Pharaoh's house and is taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians. Think about Moses' own running to the secret place in his life as he went to the door of the tabernacle and the pillar of cloud was there and met God face to face. Now he teaches the church. You too, church. This protection is for all of God's people. And for us here tonight, let's meditate on that protecting care through the lens of that marvelous image that captures it all in verse 4. And let's take as our theme, under his wings. Under his wings. Let's notice first the need for that. Second, the protection that it affords. And third, the calling to trust. Under his wings, the need, the protection, and the calling. If Jehovah God, in that image that the psalmist uses in verse 4, is like a mother bird who gathers her little chicks under her wings. And that means, beloved, that you and I are the little chicks. And we are, in two ways especially. First, as chicks live in a very dangerous world, so we. And second, as those chicks are weak and vulnerable and helpless in this dangerous world, So we, first of all, chicks live in a dangerous world where the need for protection was great. When the psalmist gives the dangers that we face in this life, notice that he carries on the image in verse 4 of the bird, mother bird with the chicks, and he casts all of the dangers that we face in the light of that image as dangers that would be there for a little chick. In verse 3, for example, he speaks of the snare of the fowler. A fowler is someone who catches fowl, birds, and he uses a snare to catch those birds, that noose with the tripwire. And that bird goes after the bait, and then it catches around his neck. Terrible danger to little chicks. In verse 13, the psalmist speaks of the lion and the adder, An adder is a cobra, a lion and the cobra. And then in the next line of that verse, the young lion and the snake, or dragon. He says dragon, the word there is the word for serpent. It's a parallelism, therefore. The lion and the cobra, the young lion and the snake, both animals that are on the prowl for little birds running around. Even the pestilence that the psalmist speaks of, In verse 3, the noisome pestilence. And in verse 6, the pestilence that walketh in darkness. is a very specific kind of pestilence that affects birds. It's the same word in the Hebrew that's used in the fifth plague that came upon the animals in Egypt. Exodus 9, verse 3, Behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thy cattle, Thy horses, asses, camels, oxen, sheep, there shall be a very grievous moraine. And right there, it's the same word 
as pestilence. It's a disease on animals, in particular danger to these little chicks. There's other dangers spoken of in the psalm as well. The terror at night and the arrow by day, both referring to an invading army that's coming to attack, dangers that correspond to the other image of God's protection in verse 4, that God's truth will be our shield and buckler, military images. The shield there is the big shield that you can hide behind, and the buckler is the small shield about the size of a plate that would repel slices of a sword. God's truth is like that, our defense. But in the main, the images in the psalm are connected to this bird illustration in line with this protection spoken of in verse 4. Young lions, fowlers, cobras, pestilence upon animals, all kinds of snakes. It's a dangerous world for little chicks. And it would be one thing, beloved, if these little birds had some ability to defend themselves against all of these dangers. But they don't. They're utterly helpless. They're vulnerable. They're weak. A little chick has no defenses. It's not a fox or a dog with sharp teeth that can bite It doesn't have any speed to run away. Even its wings it can't use. It can't fly up into the air and escape. It has no poison in its bite like a lizard or a snake. It's utterly vulnerable. One of the weakest and most vulnerable creatures that there is. And all of this is a good picture of you and of me. We too live in a dangerous world. The great serpent has slithered himself into our world and has deceived our first parents, Adam and Eve. He's brought with him all sorts of troubles and difficulties and dangers. And after the fall of man into sin, the curse of God falls upon this world. And all of the troubles that come with it, there's dangers at every turn, dangers both physical and spiritual due to the fall of man into sin and the curse that is upon this world, there's physical troubles that beset us, behind and before. They come upon us the very moment of conception, so that sometimes we don't even make it into this world. And even when we do, we're already besought with physical troubles written into the very genes It's a proof of original sin. How many of the troubles physically that we're going to face in our life are not already foreshadowed in our our genetic makeup before we even come into this world? And then we come into this world with that and the weakness of our own body and mind and we face so many troubles about us, threats of ills from cancer to car accidents, from tornadoes to ticks, broken bones to broken hearts, Down syndrome to depression. There's spiritual dangers on top of all that that are much worse. That too begins for us already at the very moment of conception, doesn't it? A proof again of original sin that a corrupt stock produces 
corrupt offspring. And this nature, this totally depraved nature is there from the moment of conception. And within it are foreshadowed so many of the spiritual problems that we're going to face in our life. We all have that totally depraved nature, and it's the same for all of us in some ways. But in other ways, there's an individuality to it. And we don't even know it about ourselves until we come into this world and and see what it is. And we come, and then without, about us, are all of these snakes and snares and fowlers and young lions. The snare is set for our soul. It corresponds to the nature within. And it's like bait to us. We're drawn to things that feed our pride or things that feed our lust. We're drawn to things that play off of our insecurities, that take advantage of our quick temper, our self-pity, our discontent, our complaining spirit, our love of revenge, our love of control, our love for the spotlight or our love for anonymity. And how easily we can be caught just like that Snared, and we can't free ourselves in our own strength. There is sin that acts like a pestilence to us, a grievous moraine, that like a virus begins in one part of our body and spreads itself through our body. Sin spreads itself in our lives. It might start in one area, but if it is not checked, it it spreads itself into other areas of our life. Don't be fooled, young people. It's lying every single time when it tells you that all it wants is this, just this, just give me this, and I won't ask any more of you. It always wants more. It wants to take over your life utterly like a virus wants to spread in your life. Be warned. But then not only in an individual doesn't a virus spread from one to another in a family unit and broader than that. Can't you see that with sin too? Sometimes it spreads within a family. Sometimes it spreads within a line of generations as you see patterns of sin go down from father to son. You see sin spread itself in a community even or or a congregation It's a pestilence. It's a disease, this sin. Who has not seen this in their life? There's the lion and the snake, both images of the devil. As that sneaking snake comes to us and whispers in our ear, sin will be great for you. You will love this, trust me. As that lion comes to us and he roars. You go along with the crowd or you're going to be mocked, you know, ostracized. And even if the child of God sinfully and wickedly gives in to its whisperings and its roarings, it doesn't relent, does it? The snake comes back again and now he has something. And so he whispers again and taunts us. It's so easy to get you to fall. You think you're a Christian? Or he roars like the lion. You're going to hell. 
And you might as well just continue and walk in sin. You're going to hell anyway. He doesn't love you. He doesn't care for you. How could you think that he does? Look at who you are. And it would be one thing, beloved, if we had some defense for this. But we don't. We are like these little chicks. We have nothing in ourselves by nature. Nothing. We're helpless. We're not angels. We're not gods. We're born with this weakened physicality that's subject to so many physical problems. We're born with this dead nature spiritually that can do nothing to prevent the snare and the fowler and the serpent and the pestilence from overtaking our lives. We're helpless, utterly helpless. Death hangs over us. It consumes us in a moment, physically, spiritually, and finally, eternally in hell. Are you never afraid of this? Does this never strike you that this is who you are in this world by nature? Doesn't it lead you to cry out? Is there any protection here for me? Is there any secret place into which I can run and be safe? And the psalmist's answer is that there is church. There is And it's under the sovereign, providential care of an almighty God and Father. That's what's being described in this image in verse 4. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. The first part of that line is the objective, sure reality. He shall cover thee with his feathers. And you need to look at that first part of the line like you're looking at the the image the psalmist is using from up above. Looking down on the barnyard, and there's the mother hen, and the, the little chicks are under her wings. He shall cover thee like that with his feathers. And then the second part of that line, under his wings shalt thou trust. That's the subjective perspective, and you need to look at that as though you are the little chick now with the little chick's eyes. Who presses himself under the wings of his mother. Under his wings shalt thou trust. And he looks up and he sees those feathers over him, trusts in them to protect him. It's kind of interesting. How where you preach a sermon affects it always, at least a little bit. I've preached this sermon in a number of different churches in West Michigan. And at this point in the sermon, I always say, if you've never seen this image the apostle is using in real life of a of a mother bird hen covering her chicks and then you should go on youtube at least and, and look it up because it's marvelous but i probably don't need to say that here do i perhaps many of you have seen it or if you haven't then you can take your dog next door to your neighbor's property who has some chickens and, and watch it happen It's a marvelous thing. It's an image 
that shows us that, as is true throughout all the scriptures, that the earthly is created to reflect the heavenly. That we can see things of our God in the way he's created things here below. This is one of the great images of God's care for his people throughout the scriptures, especially used in the Psalms. The psalmist turned to it time and time again. Psalm 17, 8 and 9. From the wicked that oppress me, from my deadly enemies who compass me about, keep me as the apple of thine eye, hide me under the shadow of thy wings. Psalm 57, verse 1. Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusts in thee, yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. Psalm 63, verse 7. Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. In Psalm 61, verse 4, I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Here is safety, we're being told. Here is security under the wings of God. Whose are these wings? They're gods, aren't they, children? Even though the image that's being used is of a a mother hen, it's in the masculine, isn't it? He shall cover thee with his feathers. The God who is described marvelously in verses 1 and 2 with four names. The Most High, the Almighty, Jehovah, and my God. Verse 1, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High... The Most High. There's high people in high places upon this world, but this God is the Most High above all others. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Dominion is his clothing. Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, the Shaddai, the entirely mighty one. There are people on this planet with great might, with money, with weapons, with bombs. But this is the Almighty. All power belongs to him, and even the might of his puny creatures, his might that he loans to them, can pull back at any moment and uses as part of his own might over this world. I will say of the Lord, all capitals, Jehovah, he is my refuge. The I am, the changeless one, the covenant God, with all of this almighty power, with this most high position. He's using all that he has in the service of his covenant, fully committed to his covenant purposes, so that the members of his covenant can say, My God, in him will I trust as though that's his name, your God, your God, as though he signs himself over to you and says, I'm yours, my God. And so that his people and his covenant for whom he uses his great position and his almighty power may know how true it is that he's for them in the covenant of grace. 
condescends to them to compare himself to a barnyard chicken for their comfort and security. Isn't that astounding? Spurgeon says, had it been invented, this illustration, had it been invented by an an uninspired man, it would have verged upon blasphemy. Who should dare to apply such words to the infinite Jehovah? But as he himself dictated the language, we have here a great condescension, such as it becomes us to admire and adore. Calvin says, when we consider the majesty of God, there's nothing that would suggest a likeness such as is here drawn between God and the hen or other birds who spread their wings over their young ones to cherish and protect them. But in accommodation to our infirmity, he does not hesitate to descend, as it were, from the heavenly glory and to encourage us to approach him under so humble a similitude. This is the Almighty One. This is the Most High. This is the God who speaks in the cedars of Lebanon break. And yet, when it comes to the comfort of his covenant people, he will compare himself to a hen, keeping her chicks under his wings. The unbeliever, beloved, does not understand his majesty, that he's almighty, that he's the Most High, and does not fear him as he ought. And therefore, that unbeliever is doomed to be terrified of him and to flee scared from him one day. The child of God understands his holiness and his majesty and fears him as he ought and yet is never terrified of him. For he sees on the pages of scripture that he uses all of his majesty and power in the service of his covenant and his people. He shall cover thee with his feathers. This protection then is described as a covering. It's an amazing thing when a mother bird covers her chicks that they completely disappear from sight. You wouldn't even know that there are any chicks there. They're totally and utterly covered. We'll describe what that coverage is more specifically in just a moment, but for now, recognize that God's protection of his people is total. It is utter. There's no part of them that is exposed. There's not a, a tail feather that's sticking out. They're utterly covered by him. Something that Arminian theology can't say. His sovereignty always has a limit. There's always some place that it can't go to. But in the sovereignty of the scriptures, the sovereignty is total and it's utter. And therefore he uses his control over all things for the protection of his people. So that though it's true that sometimes we sing... In the Psalms, all unprotected, lo, I stand, no friendly guardian at my hand. We do that because that's what it feels like sometimes. And the Psalms give expression to our feelings, but it's not objective truth in reality. This is that we're never unprotected, always covered under these wings. We take out insurance 
for protection. And we use this kind of language, don't we? I have coverage. How much coverage do you have? Are you covered for this? In the event of this, in the event of this, do you have coverage? And if you don't have that coverage, you're exposed to this or to that. But there's no insurance policy that can cover you utterly. You can purchase all the insurance known to man, medical insurance, car insurance, hurricane, ice storm, whatever it is. But apart from being under these feathers, these wings, you are still exposed Exposed to death, to wrath, to hell, to sin, to Satan, to circumstances that are beyond your control that you can't predict. And even in those very things that insurance covers, you're still so exposed. You may be covered from the point of view of money, and God can even use that as part of his protection of you, but not for the wrath that comes in it by nature. for the consequences of those troubles in your life. Only here, only in him, is there coverage for body and soul in life and in death, wherever you are upon this globe, in whatever situation. His wings cover us utterly. Never does this protection run out. There's no premiums that come in the mail that you have to pay to keep this protection going. It's sure and steadfast. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and he shall. It's dependent upon him and thus cannot fail. When you get up tomorrow and read this, it's going to say the same thing and mean the same thing. And 10 years from now and 15 years from now, he shall cover thee. He shall. Who is it for? It's for his chicks. The mother hen does not gather all the other chicks under her wings, but her chicks. And God does this for his own. From eternity chosen in Jesus Christ and in time drawn to Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit who come conscious of their own great need, their desperate state, their weakness, their vulnerability in this world, the fact that they are chicks with no defense and who turn to him and nowhere else for this protection, humbled by their own weakness and by his marvelous grace. In Christ, beloved, We know that these feathers are ours. In Christ, these wings are over us. Leaving aside the interpretation of this New Testament passage for now, remember that the Lord Jesus, when he was on the earth, he took this image from the Psalms and he applied it to himself, saying that he was as a hen who would have gathered Jerusalem's children as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not. Luke 13, verse 34. In him we know the feathers of God over us. Outside of him we are exposed utterly. In him you are never exposed. Recovered. Faith sees him and embraces him and says, In him 
I know this is mine. It's in the second person singular both times. Singular. He shall cover thee individually, thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. This is personal for God's people, individual for you, child of God, for you. This is your secret place, these wings over you, feathers above you. More specifically now, how do these wings and feathers protect us from these dangers? Three things, all three of which come from the image the psalmist uses and the theology of the scriptures. First, there is a story from a book from the 1940s about a firefighter who was putting out a fire, forest fire. After that fire was put out, he saw a bird on the ground. It was kind of charred. He walked up to it. It didn't move, so he tapped it a little bit with his boot. It still didn't move, but out from underneath it came three little chicks. The mother was dead and charred by the fire, but the three chicks had survived under her wings. Here is the first way in which we are protected, covered under his wings, beloved. For the guilt of our own sins, we deserve the fires of wrath to be upon us. But in Jesus Christ, God himself takes the fires of wrath upon himself in our place, and covered by his feathers, we are safe, protected. That's first. Second, When there is a fox or a lion or a snake about, a mother bird will take her chicks, put them behind her, and she'll spread her wings out wide, and she'll puff up her other feathers, and she'll hiss and bite and defend her little ones from that predator. And even if that predator has one of her chicks in its mouth, she'll keep doing this until he lets go of it and it goes free. He will either lead us not into temptation or when he determines that it is for our profit to be tempted. He will always deliver us ultimately from the evil one so that never shall we be consumed. Always he will keep us. The serpent cannot swallow us. The fowler cannot take us home in his bag and put us in his pot and make us his supper. And even if his elect are caught for a time, They will always be delivered and preserved and restored. This is the pea of tulip, the preservation of the saints. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Psalm 124, verse 7. And third. There are some birds you know, that make their nests very high up in the tops of trees. Eagles, storks. 
mother stork will cover her young utterly when she senses that a storm is coming. Under his wings, those chicks will be protected from the rain and from the wind. What about the circumstances of our life, the storms that rage, beloved? The effects of the fall upon us. There is protection only here. What insurance policy can avert all evil or turn it to our profit? Behold the sovereign providence of God, the overshadowing protection of the Almighty, who has all things in his hands. I think when we get to heaven, we're going to be astounded at the first part of that statement, avert all evil or turn it to our profit. We don't think about that enough. We're going to discover how often he averted evil away from us and we never realized it because we weren't ready for it. We couldn't bear it at the time. But that said, I very well understand that the hardest part is the things he doesn't avert, but the ones that he turns to our profit. Sometimes so utterly painful, so earth-shattering, that you can hardly believe that God would bring this to pass upon one of his children. So that God's people wonder sometimes. Was he looking away? Did a fox get under his wing and attack me when he wasn't noticing? Did I get out? Did I run out from under his wing? And I. There's no oops with God, beloved. This overshadowing protection is total and it is utter. And even these things are in his sovereign providence for us, for us individually and for us together as the body of Jesus Christ. He has a place that he is preparing for us in glory. Don't forget this. And every single event that happens to us in our lives and even in the lives of others that are connected to our lives is preparing us for this place in glory, our spot in the kingdom of God. And it's all molding and shaping us and fitting us for this, our place, the place that only we can hold in that kingdom of God and no one else. And when we get there, we will see that every single thing, even the pains, there were not an oops on his part. There were not a mistake He didn't let the the fox through from under his wing. But it was all part of what he was doing, bringing us all together as one body to our place in glory. Can all state hold back the car accident until the perfect time and then make it work? for your eternal welfare and the welfare of others when it comes upon you? Can your health insurance 
hold back that disease and then bring it upon you in perfect timing for your eternal welfare and the eternal welfare of others and say to it, if this is to be said to it, you will go this far and not this farther and no farther or say to it, you're going to take my child home to me now because he's ready, she's ready for this place. Only the sovereign God can provide such coverage, beloved. And it's yours. Little chicks. Where are you? Where are you right now? When you look up, what do you see? Feathers. His wings. That's where you are. And you are nowhere else. Can you trust it? Believe it? Nestle close. And under his wings shalt thou trust, and his people shall. It doesn't mean that there won't ever be times of doubt or struggle with it. It doesn't mean that there won't be times when we forget and our eyes are focused upon the circumstances of our life or, or this or that, and our eyes are off of these feathers and wings. But when the word of God comes to us, chiefly, from the proclamation on the Lord's Day, when it comes to us in our own devotions, in our reminding of each other, God's people shall, under word and spirit, they shall. It's when we forget. That that's over us. And that this is our secret place that we begin to fear. And we're scared and all we can see are the circumstances about us. And faith must be reminded to look up. This is where you are. This is what it means to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. To come into the secret place. You're there objectively. All of God's people are there always. Whether we recognize it or not. But to abide is like that little chick who looks up and sees and trusts. I'm safe. This is where I am. I know it. As the child of God knows from the word, I'm here. I'm safe. He is my God. The Almighty Jehovah, the Most High. My God. And nothing past, present, or future shall destroy me. All is perfectly fitted for my salvation and the salvation of my church. So 
so that when you fall into sin, and may God graciously forbid it. And he chastises you and restores you and breaks you with repentance and faith. You turn to him and say, these feathers are over me. And you look up and you see these once charred feathers that have taken the fires of God's wrath for you. If sin seems to catch you in its snare, and you come to the house of God and you look to these feathers, and only here will I have strength and protection from the power of this sin in my life. And I give myself to his word and the means of grace and the elders and the deacons and the minister and my brothers and sisters for their help. And when the circumstances of life seem to be too much, we look up under his word and see these feathers over us. And we rest in him that all is under the control of his mighty hand. And we don't say to ourselves, but they're only feathers. The feathers of the Almighty, of the Most High, Jehovah. And they can and they will protect and preserve in all things, in rain and drought, in fruitful and barren years, in sickness and in health, in riches and in poverty, yea, and in all things. And so may it be said of us, beloved, what Boaz said of Ruth, when drawn by grace to his overshadowing protection among his people. Boaz said to her, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings... Thou art come to trust. Amen. Let us pray. Father, preserve and protect us. And give us the eye of faith, O God, even under thy word, to see and to know and to trust. We pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen.